You're listening to a sermon from the pulpit of Redeemer Church, a PCA congregation in Hudson, Ohio. For more information, visit us at RedeemerOhio.org. Good evening. It's an honor. My name is Jacob Piland, and it is an honor to be here at Redeemer this evening, filling in for my brother Jason Piland uh, with all that's been going on there. Unfortunately, the Oreos have not been brought to the party, and you get this store brand version instead. It is a privilege to be back here with family and friends at Redeemer Church. It is a joy to come with good reports from Kent, good reports of what the Lord is doing down there and gathering his people and being near as we worship him even this morning and as our people are gathered this evening. It is a joy for me to be here with you. I invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua is the sixth book in the Old Testament. You have the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then we come to Joshua. Let me pray that as we read God's word, his spirit would be with us. Gracious God, We praise you. We thank you that you have given us words of life. Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead us. Let them bring us to your holy hill and to your dwelling places by your spirit so that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Hear God's very word from Joshua chapter 1. We'll be reading verses 1 through 18. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. 
for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions. For within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you saying, the Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan, but all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you. And they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then, You shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it, the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. And they answered Joshua, all that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Thanks be to God. So we're looking here at Joshua 1. It's an introductory chapter uh, to this 24-chapter book. And we see in this one chapter an anticipation of what is to come in this book. You know many of these stories, some of which you've, many of you have known since you were a child in Sunday school. Rahab hides the spies. Israel crosses over the Jordan River into the promised land of Canaan. The men of Israel march around Jericho. And the walls came a-tumbling down. And there are more battles and the sun stands still and Israel settles into the land and makes it home for a time. In this book, we see a story of God's faithfulness to his promise. He promised that the land of Canaan would belong to the descendants of Abraham. All the wicked ones who stand against Yahweh were to be destroyed from the land so that it would be a place of life and of covenant blessing and of rest and of worship. And in it, we anticipate the work of Jesus Christ himself over a thousand years later. Jesus, the greater Moses, the fulfillment of Joshua, the savior of God's people. He is the ultimate conqueror of the enemy of death. He is the one who acquires the eternal inheritance of life. And as the head of God's people, as the head of the church, he then gives that inheritance to all who follow him by faith. So as we look at this chapter, we're going to look at it in three parts, of course. We'll look first at the command to arise and go over. Arise and go over. Second, be strong and courageous. And lastly, Yahweh saves. 
Let's look at this command to arise and go over. This comes from verses one through five. The heart of this is in verse five where God says, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you, speaking to Joshua. I will not leave you or forsake you. This is a big deal to the people of Israel that their leader, Moses, has died. This is a leader for generations. He was the one to whom God spoke through the burning bush, the one whom God empowered to lead the nation of Israel out of slavery against stubborn Pharaoh with signs and with wonders. Moses is the one to whom God spoke in the cloud on top of Mount Sinai, whose face shone with the glory of God, the one to whom God gave the law. In Deuteronomy 34, just the the chapter prior to what we just read, tells us in verse 10, there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. And so the people of Israel, without their leader Moses, were afraid of collapse. Fear and anxiety were likely to grip this people of Israel. Without a leader, they're easy prey for opposing nations with leadership and military organization. But more... God's faithfulness to his promise and the probability of taking the land to which Moses had led them was likely called into question for many. Collapse was a legitimate fear for the one who has lost sight of the one who's really in control. For the Israelites who thought that it was Moses as their leader and forgot that it was God who was their king in Israel. And we're reminded here The foundation of God's promise to Israel, the foundation of that promise of the land was not built upon Moses. It's built upon God himself. This was a promise made long before Moses to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It was Yahweh, their God, who was in control, and it was upon Yahweh that the promises were based. Approximately 500 years earlier, Abram was promised the land when God said, to your offspring, I will give this land. God promised It's based upon him. The fulfillment is not rooted in Moses, but in God's plan of redemption. Joshua then, as he comes, is the agent of God's redemption. He's the one that God has chosen to take over for Moses. And first we're reminded in verse one that Joshua was an assistant to Moses. And immediately upon Moses' death, Verse two, what does God command him to do? Not to sit down, not to be afraid, but instead to arise and go over the Jordan. The God of promise has not left. They are to keep going in his promise. And then in verse five, the promise is that God is with Joshua. It says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Later in the chapter, in verse 16, we see that the people take well to Joshua's leadership. They pledge their loyalty to him, which was crucial for this people. And they too were looking for someone like Moses, but more, As they say in verse 17, they were looking for the Lord, their God, to be with their leader. The crucial part of Joshua's leadership is not that he was some great person any more than Moses was a great person. In fact, Moses' sin is what kept him from the promised land. 
Moses was a stammering, fearful, forgetful, sinful, disobedient leader. Joshua was now God's chosen leader and is no less sinful. But he was the one that God chose to lead Israel into battle and into conquering the land because of God's presence with him. Because of God's promise to his people. And so God calls Joshua and the nation of Israel with him. Arise, cross over this river into the land that I am giving to them. And they can arise for battle. And they can cross over into this land of promise without fear of collapse because God is with them and God will fight for them because Yahweh saves. Verses six through nine take us to our second point, the command to be strong and courageous. Maybe when you hear Joshua, you think immediately of this command, be strong and courageous. It's a very famous verse in this book. And it comes in its most famous form, although it's in three places in this chapter. Verse nine, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. If you back up a little bit, you see that the the details of what is included in this land are laid out very specifically. The land's borders are described in detail. And this is a specific conquest with specific battles for specific lands where specific people live. Courage and strength of some kind is required. And in the command to receive the land that God gives them, God says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Why? Is it because Joshua is so intimidating and powerful? No, the very next verse tells us, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. God is the one who brought Israel out from the hand of Pharaoh across the Red Sea, who defeated Sihon and Og. It's his power that has brought his people this far. And even as Israel now enters into a land that others inhabited and people believed that that land belonged to the the gods of Canaan, God said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Even as you move into a land that the Canaanites think their gods own, this too belongs to God. And it is in this context, immediately following that promise of God's presence that will never depart. He tells them, specifically Joshua, be strong and courageous. This is a strength based entirely upon God. This is a courage rooted only in him. This is not a muster up some courage kind of command to Joshua. God's not telling him to go and take the land and go find your own strength. God is providing As he has promised to give the land, he will give them the means to do it. Verse seven says, only be strong and very courageous. The repetition there, the first repetition of that command. And we hear specifically how Joshua is to be strong and courageous. You ask the world how you're supposed to be strong and courageous. They'll say, look inside, look within, follow your heart, follow your dreams. How does God command strength and courage in verse seven? 
being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. It's God's word. It's obedience to what God has commanded that makes Joshua strong and courageous. So what is it that he needs courage to stand against? What does he need to stand up to? Is it militaries? Is it fortified walls? Right here, we're told specifically that Joshua's courage is to stand against falling away. His courage and his strength are to stand against godlessness, waywardness, forgetfulness, straying to the right or to the left. God says, be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you in verse seven. And do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, verse seven. And then in verse eight, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Joshua is to be a man of the book. Then will come good success and prosperity according to God's word. So the strength that Joshua needs then and the courage that Israel needs Joshua to have is not rooted inside Joshua. It's rooted in the word of God and it's from obedience to God. That is, that is acknowledging his nearness and acknowledging his commands and active cooperation with what God has commanded and choosing to obey the law. From that comes strength. God has given Joshua a call and then says, now I will be with you and you will do it according to my command. And finally, that command is repeated in verse nine. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. From a worldly perspective, does Joshua have any reason not to be afraid? Leading a band of wayward people, faithless people, up against fortified cities in their own land, across a river. But verse nine reminds Joshua why he can be without fear. Do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Yahweh saves his people. Now, before we move to look specifically at what it means that Yahweh saves his people, you'll notice in verses 10 through 18, the remainder of the chapter here, Joshua does exactly as he is commanded. He goes to the leaders of the people and he tells them, prepare to enter into the land for in three days, we will cross this river. Even Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh, these were two and a half tribes who had settled on the eastern side of the Jordan River. They too were to, pre to prepare to enter and to take the land as they were bound by promise to do. You can see that story in Numbers 32 and that promise is reminded, they are reminded of that promise here in these verses starting in Joshua 1.12. And as this dialogue goes on about the promise that they had made to go with their brothers across the river to take the land for the other tribes, you see this theme of rest. The Eastern tribes have tasted this rest and they are to help the remainder of the tribes of Israel enter Canaan for their rest. And there's a promise that if they endure in strength and in courage, that is, if they endure in obedience to God's word and they meditate on his law and his law is on their mouths and they do not stray to the right or to the left, 
then they will inherit the land and find rest. But it does leave us wondering, what if they're not obedient? Israel doesn't have a reputation of being obedient. What if Joshua is just as sinful as Moses? What if someone else comes to leadership, you know, someone like Samson or Saul or David or Solomon or anyone who led Israel? Have they now unearned the land of promise? Does covenant blessing depend upon the people's faithfulness? If so, what would be the natural application of a passage like this for us here in 2023? Maybe you've heard this preached in a way where the take home for you is that you need to go and be strong and courageous. That is, you need to be obedient to God's law so that you might inherit the eternal land of promise, that you might earn heaven so that you don't end up in exile like Israel did. Maybe you've been told that if you believe in Yahweh and if you act according to his commands, you will be filled with covenant abundance. In other words, maybe you've been told that God helps those who help themselves. The application of this passage cannot be that. We cannot directly lift this command to be strong and courageous and apply it to our lives today with the expectation that we will inherit eternal life based on our obedience, or else we end up with just another conditional promise of inheritance based upon the obedience of fickle, sinful people. There must be something else going on, or else this is no good news at all. Moses wasn't good enough, neither was Joshua, neither was Israel, and neither are we. That's why we need this third point. Yahweh saves. You may have been thinking of Hebrews 4. Verses 8 and 9 say this, For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Here, in the book of Joshua, Joshua does lead them into the land, and this rest is tasted. But the author of Hebrews, with, its, with his fuller revelation from God, says that Joshua did not give them the rest promised. Here's the thing. The land of Canaan that Joshua was taking them into was a type a foreshadow, a physical illustration of a fuller, spiritual, eternal promise of inheritance that was to come. And it's a promise of rest that still remains. There is still a way for us to enter that rest that God has promised. It's a lasting rest in covenant inheritance, which will not be interrupted by invading enemies or famine or exile. So how do we enter the rest? The author of Hebrews immediately tells us that it is by the great high priest who has passed through the heavens. It is the person of Jesus. It is through him that all these promises of Joshua become truly accessible to God's people. In Matthew 1, famous verse 
says, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That name Jesus is the same name as Joshua. It's, it's Hebrew Yeshua. It means Yahweh saves. As Moses led Israel out of bondage and as Joshua led them into the promised land, so Jesus, the prophet greater than Moses, frees his people from bondage to their captor, sin and death, and goes with them into the eternal land of promise, goes before them into that promised land, the new heavens and the new earth. Not only was God with Jesus, and, and not only did Jesus live closely with the Father on this earth, but Jesus is God with us, Emmanuel and Jesus studied and knew the word of God, the law of Moses, and so he was able to stand against the enemy with strength and courage because the word of God was on his mouth. Jesus says in John 8, and he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And when he faced the tempter in the desert, it was the word of God that Jesus wielded because he, as Joshua was commanded, did not let the law of God depart from his mouth. He meditated on it day and night and was careful to do everything written in it. In fact, Jesus, in his strength and courage, is that new Joshua who leads us, his people, into that promised land. It is Jesus' strength and courage, his obedience to the will of the Father, his perfect record of righteous obedience to all that the law demanded. He loved the Lord his God with all his heart and all his soul and all his mind and all his strength perfectly. And he loved his neighbor as himself perfectly. And so he earned the promised land that he gives to those who follow him in faith. Jesus is the one who fulfilled the covenant requirements, who earned the covenant blessing, who took the land and gave it to those who looked to him. Even as he faced death, he was strong and courageous. Israel had great leaders. Old Testament talks about Adam, but he died at the end of Genesis, or in Genesis. Joseph died at the end of Genesis. Moses died at the end of Deuteronomy. And at the end of this book of Joshua, Joshua died. Jesus too, though, was killed. He was accused as a criminal, but he was perfect. And he breathed his last. Yet he was, yes, he was really and truly killed, but his story does not end with death as these other leaders did. His story ends with resurrection life. Death did not conquer the great Jesus and savior of his people. On the third day, he rose from the dead. He defeated all the enemies that stand in the way of Christians' full possession of that promised inheritance. Jesus took possession of that promised inheritance and he gives it to the people of God. His faithfulness earns blessings for us. In Jesus, we see the epitome of that truth that Yahweh saves. But it doesn't mean that we sit back and enter a spiritual coma. Verse 11 mentions that God will give this land, but also there's the command to go and take the land. 
Because God gives the inheritance, we can take the inheritance and live in it. We taste now that eternal rest in Jesus. Therefore, we can be strong and courageous in Christ. And it's by his spirit that we are able to live obediently to his word and to take hold of the promises of the covenant, not by works of the law, but by faith in the one who has fulfilled all the requirements of the law. And so then we can obey the law of God and we can delight in it and find life in it. We can work out our own salvation with fear and trembling because it is God who works in us, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Jesus is that greater Joshua, the one who gives rest. He leads the people of God into their true eternal place of blessing and bounty and rest into that true promised land. Are you eagerly awaiting that day? day? Jesus is the inheritor of eternal life by his perfect strength and courage. And if you're interested in taking possession of the greatest inheritance ever, it can be yours by looking to Jesus in faith. Hold on to Christ. See what he's done, that it is enough and you need nothing more. Believe in him and rest in him. Let's pray. Holy God, who are we but wayward sinners? Yet you have decided in your righteousness to welcome us into a land of blessing. Would you help us to follow the one who has gone before us, to follow Jesus, to set our faith in him, knowing that what he has done is enough and it alone is enough. Would we rest in him as we anticipate that eternal rest that will be shown in its fullness one day? We praise you for Jesus. We rest on him alone. We praise you, God, that you save. It's in Jesus' name we pray, by the Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information or to connect with us, visit us at RedeemerOhio.org.